welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. All right, so this is the wrap-up episode for 2023. We are covering books that we personally read this time around. So they don't have to be from 2023. Some of them are. We might remember to remind you of that, but we probably won't. Yeah, we've only done this once, so we don't have a format. And so we decided not to stick with a format. Next year, we might do something completely different. (laughs) And I believe in these episodes, we don't do spoilers, right? Uh, sure. We've only done one, so. <laughs> this time, we're not doing spoilers. There may be Great. light spoilers here and there, but I, they will not be material to the content of the book. All right, who, we're each going to do five. So, who wants to go first? Uh, I will go first, and I'm going to start off with my... I only have one book, really, that's not from uh, 2023. It is The Priori of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. This is a book that is like whenever you go on a website with fantasy books and they're like, hey, you really need to to check out this book. And usually when websites do that, I'm like, no, do not push me to read something. (laughs) And then um, despite us being here to do that very thing for other people. Josh is a taste maker. Yeah. Excuse me. Me and friend of the show, uh, Tim Lanning, have a, you know, we basically direct message each other about books that we're reading. And he asked me about this book, uh, Priori of the Orange Tree. And I was like, no, I haven't read it yet, but I hear great things all the time to the point where they won't leave me alone about it. And it turns out they were right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is so frustrating sometimes i don't i am not a good judge of with fantasy whether this is a good you know introduction to fantasy i just assume everybody knows about hey this is what a you know a kingdom is and these are what dragons are Uh, but sometimes uh when you're in a when you're in a bubble you don't realize what uh, people know and don't know and what's approachable and what isn't. So I feel like Priori of the Orange Tree is the, oh yeah, um, you've read all the like big popular fantasy books and you're familiar with fantasy now and now you want to level up your fantasy reading. This would be the book that I would recommend. Um, It's basically two nations, kingdoms, whatever, separated by, um, I think there's a body of water in between them. One worships dragons and they ride upon dragons that are more like water-based. And the other is a kingdom um, that their entire religion is based around hating dragons because of an ancient evil dragon that once rose... And their entire religion is based around the person that defeated them. And the reason why it's so the reason why it's so good is that it's like it deals with the you know here 
horse is cool because there's dragons. Dragons are cool. But it's like the kingdom that fears dragons, the person that they base their religion around that defeated this dragon um, is like, you know, they call him a saint. But it turns out he was he was a huge dickhead. And it was actually a woman that <laughs> defeated the dragon. And the book plays with, you know, uh, they base their royal line on the person that defeated the dragon. And they, like, um, you know, it's the, pa- it's the patriarchal line that is the good part. But it's not actually, it's the matriarchal line that is secretly the good part. And you're dealing with an empress, um who is constantly, and then towards the beginning of the book, is like constantly getting trying to get assassinated because this ancient evil dragon, the dragons, are starting to rise up again. And it plays with what people know versus what the truth is in, his, in their history. And like, it has multiple point of views, you know, some coming from the land that ride dragons and some coming from the land that hate dragons. And it's sort of like, converges like you know like how in the final seasons of game of thrones we're all excited when the characters that have been separated for like eight mm-hmm. seasons are finally meeting up again that happens in one book nice. and, like, it's, like, <laughs> it's i think the author is planning more books but you could read this book just alone it's pretty long it's 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 brando sando size long I think it's like nine hundred something pages. It's it's a doorstop, but it's like it's worth it all the way. And like it all, I it's like all the male characters in the book are kind of like despicable, but not unlikable. And all the women in the book rule. <laughs> like the one of the point of view characters is named Ied. She comes from the priority of the orange tree, and their magic literally comes from the eating of the fruit of the orange tree. And she uses it to protect the Empress, who is um, supposed to defeat this great evil dragon when it rises again, and. I don't want. To, I don't want to, no spoilers, but that their relationship grows, and it's like a really enjoyable read. It's like it's like one of those fantasy books. Hey, it has everything. It has weird animals and cool magic system, and fun characters, and romance, and courtly politics, but also like dragon writing and pirates and mysteries it's just like it's a book that it's a fantasy book that has everything you would want in a fantasy book yes. and it, it has a sequel right but it's also kind of like it's it's kind of standalone i think there's a prequel okay. that came out this year and if i had listened to all those recommendations of <laughs> reading this book beforehand that se- that prequel would probably be on this list instead mm-hmm. But I have not yet read it. It is on my... Like, maybe next year when we're doing this again, I'll be talking about that book. Yeah, because it is nice to have a really good book that is just a standalone. Even if it's long. Like, it's it's not as long as reading, like, 
a trilogy or like more of books of that size to like mm-hmm. get all that good goodness. I think like I think none of the same characters are in the prequel, so they're connected, but maybe not strictly like maybe that one takes place in far enough in the past that oh you'll recognize this these historical events if you had read the first book. But it's not like you have to read them together to get it. Nice. Solid, solid intro. Much better than getting actual oranges also in your stocking. If anybody's family still does that, recommend this book instead. Yes. Uh, It probably won't fit in a stocking, but make it work. Get a big stocking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing with your dinky ass (laughs) stocking? Stop it. Get a book size stocking. Get a get a Bigfoot size stocking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I honestly, I didn't really know much about it other than dragons were involved, and now I'm like, okay, that does sound pretty dope. And it's like almost, I don't want to, I don't want to describe it to like East meets West sort of medieval dragons, but it does kind of have that vibe. Like the the good dragons in the book are like worshipped like gods and uh, but not lo- like in the way that oh uh, these are you know w- not like ancient greece gods or norse mythology gods but like these are these are ancient wise beings from long ago that bless us with their presence and the the one dragon rider um in the book is sort of like came is one of like came from like a poor like it's like a rising of class sort of way to become a dragon rider and you get to see her go from the bottom to the top and then fall again and then rise again is this like an entire summer book or is this like an entire week you're not thinking about anything else book Oh, that's good. I think, like, I don't think you could put this book down once you pick it up, to mm-hmm. be honest. Clear your schedule book. Yeah, yeah. Not not take it on your vacation type of book. Or, like, take it on vacation if you have a really long trip, like, journey. If you've like, got, like, yeah. ten hours on an airplane or something. Or, like, you don't want to be where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're thing. trapped in a kitchen full of Italian people. And they just won't leave. I mean, what are you implying about my family? <laughs> what what could you be implying? What could I be implying? <laughs> uh, Steph, what's your my? Are we going in ascending order? Or is it number one and number? Or is did anybody order I, these? I don't have an order. Okay, I cool. kind of have an order. This is I'm starting with the ones that didn't come out this year, basically. Um, so my first, which is kind of my number five, I guess, uh, is Paladin's Hope by T. Kingfisher, which I finally Yay. finished. I think it spent, I spent most of the year reading it because I would like pick it up and put it down and pick it up and put it down. That being said, I loved it the whole time. It is great. I mean, that whole series is fantastic. I really appreciate how, despite it, you know, there, there is, uh, a, a loose overarching story between these books that you don't need to have followed really to uh, to enjoy each book but also that each book 
is quite different from the other. Like they all kind of have a, a bit of a different like genre bent a little bit. Like the first, the first book is kind of like your classic, like uh, there's like a mystery and some intrigue. And then the second book is like a travel kind of like adventure novel. And this one is like, uh, this one's a little more intimate. Uh, it's the horniest by far of the ones <laughs> that I've read so far in a delightful way. Uh, yeah, absolutely steamy. Love that. Uh, really enjoyed uh, a lot of the characters. A couple newer characters kind of got in introduced in this one who I love dearly. Uh, there's a lot more Noel stuff in this book, cause I, which I love because I have loved the Knowles, like, and they, they talked about them mostly in the first book, and I'm, like, so interested about them. So we got to learn more about Knowles this book. Uh, and it ended on a pretty dope cliffhanger, which I am excited to read the next one. Although I don't imagine we'll get... or It's, it's not the kind of series where I think it's going to pick up, like, at the cliffhanger. <laughs> so I'm interested to see what happens. I have the literal perfect follow-up, because my book is Paladin's Faith, which is the yeah, next one in the series. Nice. <laughs> but was there anything else you wanted to say about it? Like, uh, I just, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like it's, it's, um, there's, I think, definitely been like, I think, an evolution in the way she writes those books, too. Like, this is, this is the ACAB book, uh, for sure. Because <laughs> the first book, like, there is a certain amount of, like, they, like, they're working with the police and stuff. And like, this is the book where, like, no, the police are assholes. They suck. Uh, fuck the cops. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed, like, we, we saw some, you know, cause I think we like had met Piper, who's one of the main characters of the book. I think we had met him back in book one. So we did a little more of that. Uh, we got just some delightful, as always, just paladin on paladin, like ribbing of each other. And, uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. And it was horny and it was romantic and it was a good, like, mystery and, uh, there's this whole like kind of escape room vibe to a big chunk of it, which was really fun. This is the which is this in the series? Is this the second? Yeah, so third mine book? is number three, and then okay. Christina's is number four. Yeah, mine is uh, was released early December. If you are a Patreon uh, and or Patreon, whatever. Uh, and I finished in like thirty six hours or something. Nice. And I have two jobs, so like <laughs> <laughs> you can shut up. Uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, as Steph predicted, it does not really resolve very yeah. much about the cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, but it does. After I after the first twenty pages, where I was mad about that, <laughs> I uh, really enjoyed the same good old. Like I don't think I can have a year at this point where I don't pick a T Kingfisher yeah. book. Like yeah. a solid amount of my whittling down this list was which one? <laughs> same. Yeah. Well, she's also so prolific. She wrote so <laughs> she many. She wrote three books all... just this year. Yeah. Release them. I don't yeah. even know how many she wrote. Like yeah. fuck. Uh, but this one was the most. I think it was the most fun, and also it had its own totally crazy cliffhanger like nice yeah i don't want to ruin too much but like you think you know the cliffhanger and then you're gonna you are gonna be mad that it doesn't get resolved but then you by the end you're gonna care more about the new cliffhanger than the old one and the old one is dope yeah i'm not expecting the cliffhanger for book three to really be resolved until like the last book 
because yeah, I think it's, it's be ultimately seven. it's the yeah there's gonna be uh, yeah because yeah. I think there's seven paladins it's like ultimately yeah. like it is the biggest mystery I think at least well at least this is where I'm at right now maybe I, by the end of book four it will change um you know it's like what happened here um so yeah I will also say I <laughs> Steph when you read it I'll be really curious to know what you think about whether the cliffhanger is more or less interesting okay, because okay. I, I think I might find it interesting because I'm interested in comparative theology. Okay, and I know that okay. a lot of people are. <laughs> yeah, but I think um, Ursula Vernon is one of those people. So. Ursula Vernon is definitely one of those people yeah. where she's like, exactly how does this work? And I'm like, yeah, how does it <laughs> yeah. work? And everyone else is like, why? Give me stop. sexy sex scenes. Right. Which, I'm just like, fair. no, but you didn't finish. Ex- okay. Um, but yeah, again, really good characters, really good sibling. We were talking about before the podcast started, like what it takes to write good sibling relationships. And it is rare to see someone nail the affectionate Mm -hmm. contempt that a lot of siblings have for each other. Um, but this does a good job of it. It's like, oh yeah, that's Steven. He hates himself. (laughs) Ha ha. Yeah. They just absolutely roast each other. It is so funny. It is excellent uh and again a great way to build characters so yeah yeah. Yeah. all of my choices fyi are gonna be really comforting fun reads i did Mm. not have a lot of energy this year to Mm. be challenged anything fair yeah fair (laughs) josh what's your next one uh my next book is actually two books because they both came out this year um the Blighted Stars by Megan O'Keefe, and then the follow-up, The Fractured Dark by the same author. <laughs> um, basically, imagine if uh, humanity had discovered a way to live forever, just like upload the brain exactly how you have it, um, and then download yourself into a new body, and a body that you could design any way you want. But the resource required to do that, um, you basically mined out all of uh, all of Earth to get it, and then went into space to find more of it. So you keep continuing to live forever, and um, it as you spread out throughout space, you discover that um, you're basically destroying planets by doing this, and rather than having nations and governments. All of this is built around five, you know, family mega corporations. Um, it kind of sounds like where we're at right now. And, yeah. Oh. But we don't even have space travel. And That's the book true. basically opens up with, you know, they're on a they're on one of the mega corporations space stations going to a new habitable planet that they're planning to mine this resource from so they can keep living forever but they're also trying to find a new earth basically to live on because they've destroyed all the other earths and the privileged son and um an ex-bodyguard of one of the privileged son's uh parent um the soldier, the ex-bodyguard, has basically downloaded herself into a current bodyguard and is planning to destroy 
the mega corporation from the inside, but then they end up being crashed on a planet where um, the thing that they discover is destroying these habitable planets that they're they're looking for. It's already there. It's already on the. It's already on the new planet, and the mystery is why is it already there? And you have the privileged son and the ex-soldier in the body of a current soldier sort of like she wants to kill him and and his dad and he's 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 an archaeologist slash no he's not a parent he's just an archaeologist his whole thing is trying to figure out oh it's definitely not my dad's corporation's fault that these planets are getting destroyed and so he's trying to prove that it's not them doing this. She's trying to um, basically destroy from uh, the corporation from the inside. And now they've been crashed on this planet that has already like become uninhabitable. And they have to get off um, the planet before it even happened before like things get worse. And, you know, it, uh, there's lots of like, science fiction mysteries and like little bits that like tell you about the world building. Well, what's most important is that, uh, this privilege, this privileged son who is learning more about how the mega corporations are horrible. And this ex soldier who wants to basically destroy all these mega corporations. There's so much, Sexual tension yes. between these two. <laughs> that, like, nice. All the science fiction that's happening in the background goes goes on, and there's there's like there's a big twist, like halfway, three quarters of the way through, and you're like, but I just you no, you can't do this now. I want them. <laughs> I want them to fuck. <laughs> Okay, this sounds dope. I've, I've this been like fun. getting a lot more into some sci-fi recently, and this sounds exactly up my alley right now. And like the science fiction of it is very like if you've like it's super approachable. It's just like okay. like I don't have to do physics. A, there's a resource called Relkatite that helps them create new bodies and upload their brains and download their brains into new bodies, and they have like. Um, they they have like RPG upgrades using this resource. Like the main character is a you know basically a prince, but he secretly has like strength upgrades that he's not supposed to have because that's something you know a more of a soldier or a laborer would have. And there's like class distinctions between members of the five mega corporations and everybody else and also like it deals with a lot of like the mega corporations basically have like their until they discover an habitable planet they have like um the majority of their workers like downloaded on a hard drive somewhere because you know, they don't want to spend the money to create new bodies for these people. And so there's like a there's like a like a class war going on of like, here are these mega corporations and they download themselves into as many bodies as they want. And 
then there's everybody else who has to pay to get their loved ones new bodies. Mm-hmm. Like he could he could kill it. Like they literally are crashed on the planet. Uh, uh, like but just like this is just one minor spoiler. And there's there's so many people that are crashed on the planet, and only so much about only so much food that they have. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do with when you have extra people? But you can just download those people into new bodies. They just they just kill a bunch of them because they just can download themselves into new bodies. So it deals the with body is like so disposable. Yeah, and like wow. The ending of the first book is like heartbreaking. I'll just say that. Okay, and, but then so it's a good thing they're both out. But then the second book does uh, where the fractured dark picks up with everything from the first book: the twist, the romance, the mega corporations, and just sort of like levels up the stakes. Um, and it like everything. The first book sort of like sets the like foundation of the world and then the second book sort of like oh you already got the foundation you've we were in like this bottle episode on this one planet now here's the rest of everything that's going on including the politics like you get like the courtly politics but instead of like kings and queens and nobles it's mega corporations mega corporations that can download people it's it, it's very good. It sounds dope. It sounds fun. Yeah. It also sounds like did you watch or read Altered Carbon? That was I did what not. I was just thinking, yeah. If you are feeling the absence, I recommend the first Altered Carbon book minimum cuz like I'm sure this is original, like this is not neither of these books originated the concept, but like yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll scratch that itch for sure, but I'm going to add yeah. these two to my list. The show is a dumb fun watch too. Also, Anthony Mackie is like yeah. so charismatic. Yeah, actually, so the second season is really good. I don't. I, I'm watching Twisted Metal. Like, how, why? <laughs> oh, you mean is. Twisted Metal with uh, Samoa Joe as the clown? <laughs> F- I didn't know that. Wrestler Samoa Joe <laughs> as the clown. <laughs> I don't remember the clown's name. I never played the video game. I have no idea what the hell is going on. Yeah, he... Like Stephanie Beatrice is, is in it, he, too. He is the person on screen playing the clown character, and Will Arnett mm-hmm. is the voice of the clown. Oh, <laughs> wait, they separated... He doesn't... Wait, oh, okay, I guess he sings a little. Anyway. Delightful. As an aside, yes. Sweet Tooth. That's the name of the clown. Right. I definitely have context for that. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, my next one is a book that Josh and I talked about in very detail. The, the episode before this. It is Tress of the Emerald Sea. Uh, it is It also... It technically did not come out this year, although it came out for uh, most of us great unwashed this year. Uh, the Sanderson Kickstarter people got it last year. Uh, it's delightful. It's it was really hard to pick between, and we talked about this in the episode, through the review episode too. It was really hard to pick between them, but ultimately, Tress got the nod just because it's a it's a little cozier. And I think we talked about this is the one that we're probably going to like go back to 
more and more for like a nice mm-hmm. comfort read. I see out of the two, you picked the boat book. I did pick the <laughs> boat book, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's okay. it's sweet. It's a nice like fairy tale with great characters. It's Sanderson, so like there's quippy, funny stuff, and there's fun magic, and there's a remarkable amount of Cosmere shit in there that, like, makes the Cosmere poison people like me and Bre- uh, Josh just lose our goddamn <laughs> minds. But also, it's just, yeah, it was it's a great book. I think it's it's the kind of book that probably anybody could pick up and enjoy. It's very approachable. It could be, like, a great, it's maybe not a great, like, book for getting people into the Cosmere itself, but I think it'd be a great book for getting people into Sanderson. Um, if you like The Princess Bride, if you like mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman's Stardust, if you like that kind of like fantasy like adult fairy tale, this book is yes. for you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just it's delightful. It's yeah, it's sweet, it's cute, it's funny. It's told in a very like just nice way. It's uh, there's there's like you know one of my favorite uh, things in the book is the narrator is like there are a bunch of other people in this boat. You don't need to know them, so we're just gonna name them all Doug. <laughs> They're all named Doug. There's four people on this boat whose name you need. I'm not gonna tell you everybody else's name because you won't you you'll get confused. Everybody else is named Doug. Just little, little things like that, yeah, which I appreciate. Extraordinary amount of respect there mm-hmm. for, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so I'm not going to wax poetic about it too much because we did a whole episode right before this one. So go go check out uh, Josh and I's like full thoughts on Trust of the Emerald Sea and You Mean the Nightmare Painter. Both were great. I am looking forward to some of the other books from the secret projects that have are now starting to come out. Fucking I can't keep up with Sanderson these days. Good lord. Ugh. So many books. Uh but uh it's great. It reminds me more like even though he said in the afterward that he was inspired by watching The Princess Bride with his wife for this book. It reminds me of Neil Gaiman's Stardust in the way that's like it's it has like positive vibes without being like totally like unrealistic like it's it's like it's it's anti cynical but it's not anti realistic it's like i don't Ooh, know I, I, don't, I love that i don't know how to describe yeah. it like bad things happen to people but it's hmm. Like and it doesn't been it doesn't be like you can do anything you want you can <laughs> all, all, all your hopes and dreams will come true but it's like yeah it's like bad things do happen to good people but also those good people like you know learn and grow and change from it and sometimes in better in ways that you know are good for them in the end nice yeah it's uh there's lots of like nice quotable moments from it about. Know, the importance of empathy and uh you know connecting with people and it's it's just nice it's yeah it's like it's very cozy so i'll go in this order uh so this book is weird and i actually don't think a lot of people are going to like it i think it will annoy a lot of people but for the people who read it and do enjoy it i think they will really really like it um it's called glitterati 
And it is a very self, it's one of those very self-conscious takes um, on an industry that nevertheless loves that industry. And the, the industry happens to be fashion, which is very polarizing already. But it's this author who I think is really in the running, is like a low-key in the running to be the next Neil Gaiman. Not that he's dead or anything. Please don't ever die, Neil Gaiman. We love you. Um, but yeah, Oliver Langmead writes these very strange, very interesting, very well-written books. And this one is about this completely vapid person who, in the beginning of the book, is so has taken so many drugs and is like so stupid, basically, that he doesn't know what day it is. And that sets off a whole chain of events wherein he learns about like what it means to be an artist and what it means to be a father and how to be a person in the world. And they're like, it, it's all about fashion that you have to imagine in your head, basically. So some people will find that pointless. Some people will find that boring. I found it really fun. And I think it is like very atypical fair. Like I don't think a lot of people would risk writing about a society that's totally based on like airhead fashion and managed to make it something that's about like art with a capital A. Uh, and there's also a very funny section about like what it means to wear denim. <laughs> that delights me. Wow. Wow. Really so, coming for my people here. I, well, like, in a, but like in a good way. So like denim is actually the turning point of the, the finale. Like, and in a good, in a way that's like complimentary. Um, there are a couple of moments in the book where like, you think that this vapid idiot is like, he's been offered a chance to like ascend his career at the expense of his marriage. And he's like, no, I adore my wife. I would never do anything to hurt her or like to damage our relationship in any way. I was like, oh, so it's like unexpectedly cute. Um, yeah, it's a really weird book. A lot of my choices are weird because when you review books for a really long time, you start yeah. picking weird shit because you've read all the other shit. So <laughs> anyway, it, the natural life cycle of a reviewer turns into like all the weird Pokemon that no one wants, like yeah. the one that like, turns into a washing machine. That's where I am now. I'm just fucking Rostam. What would you say to someone who uh, like wants to try this book, but everything you just said sort of like is not like how, how would you appeal to this book to anyone to like the... how would i actually sell this book instead yeah. of telling people not to read it <laughs> i think this is a book that will if you're willing to be patient with it or if you are willing to find humor in it that or 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 just like if you're willing to be delighted with the premise as it stands then you will be constantly surprised. Like, it is constantly marvelous. Um, but you have to believe that fashion is worth something, and you, which it is. But, like, I think a lot of people have contempt for it. And it's like, you have to believe that, like, beauty is its own reward. And you have to actually believe that in order to read this book. But if you do, it is, like, very surprising where that takes you emotionally and, like, morally, honestly. Also, it's funny. If I appreciate fashion, but don't know a lot about it, would I be totally lost in this book? Oh, I know fuck all okay. about fashion, okay. but I just think, I'm just like, ooh, pretty dress. That's the level I'm at, okay. and that's the level the book is at. Okay. That's, yeah. that's pretty much where I'm at, yeah. Yeah, no, there's no mention of any designers. They're all made up. There's no, like, Chanel in it. It's like... You're, like, expected to know this, like, iconic no, look from no, 1977 yeah, no. or whatever? 
No, and this is not like, I was expecting this to be like a mean-spirited takedown of the Kardashians, but instead it's like a high-end celebration of people who love beauty. So, yeah. I'll, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything. I'm, yeah. I cannot express to you how often I wear leggings. It's <laughs> always. <laughs> Josh. What is your next entry? Christina, do you have um, system collapse on your on your list? I don't. I was gonna have a special entry, but but you go ahead. Jo- Josh's new favorite thing. Oh, I just want this is like this is not okay. This includes a book that came out this year, but I just want to talk about the Murderbot Diaries from Martha Wells because they're so short that like. Just talking about one book isn't enough. Like, like yes, that was my. I literally conundrum. started these books a week ago. Yeah, and I've read <laughs> all of them. There's seven yes. books. There's three. There's three novellas to start. Then a novel. Then another novella. Then another novel. I'm I'm missing a novella somewhere in there. But also, there are like a couple short stories somewhere, and they don't come out in the order of the timeline that's in oh interior to the series. Yeah. Yeah. The first the first three novellas are connected and the the novel and the second novel are connected. And then there's a novella that is, hey, what if Murderbot <laughs> solved a mystery? And it's just <laughs> I, I, Murder Murder I, it's hard to describe why Murderbot is so good. Because it the premise is Murderbot is sort of like uh, mostly robotic part with some organic parts who like he's it's kind of kind of like uh the blighted stars there's me- there's mega corporations that are fighting for planetary resources including alien resources and murderbot is a sec unit which is like their job is basically to protect people on their jobs and murder. <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay, and murder so bot. it's not like a nickname. Yeah, and, yeah. and well, well, kind of. His name normally secundists don't have names. Murderbot is what he. Not even he. I I think the pronouns. It. I think he. I think it uses it, and. It's told in first person. Yeah, it's told in. And also, to be clear, sec unit means security unit. Yeah. Because when I heard someone say that for the first time, I was like, sex unit makes me uncomfortable. I was thinking sparking wine, so I think that says a lot about me. (laughs) And, like, the basic premise is Murderbot has uh, hacked his, like, the chip in his head that makes him, uh, like, um, having been controlled by the corporation that owns it. Okay, so it's free. It's free, and it's very nihilistic, and it just wants to watch television shows. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing of it is, why it's so good is, it, Murderbot, pretends to be nihilistic, but secretly has feelings, and you get to watch Murderbot grow to be like the way it's like murderbot 
has feelings and doesn't want them. And you, oh, <laughs> you get to watch. Relatable. And the, the writing of it is so funny. It's just like, God, humans are so fucking stupid. Why can't they do anything right? Why do I have to? Why can't they just listen to me? And it's sort of like Murderbot knows its place as a sec unit where it falls in the world. And slowly learning throughout the books, like, wait, I don't, people can, like, like me, people can, like, treat Aww. me, people can treat me like I'm a person. And it's just so, it's just an, it's such an enjoyable read. It's like, it's like this book, this novella is Murderbot makes a friend. <laughs> and <so laughs> this book is like, <laughs> Murderbot discovers... Okay. What <laughs> figures out what trauma is? <laughs> it's like this book is like murder by goes yeah. to therapy. Yeah, listen. So like all week, you know, Josh is like, uh, you know, he like he was like, oh, I've, I'm reading the first murder bot book, and then I don't know, like 20 minutes later, he's like, I'm on the fourth murder bot book. That's basically how it happened. And then I think like three days after that or something, he was like, I'm on the new murder bot book, and then maybe there was like kind of a gap. It's like, oh no, Murderbot has trauma. <laughs> That's exactly it's what a real journey. And it relates to the like the book that came out this year, System Collapse, is the Murderbot Has Trauma book. Where it discovers that like all the things that have led to this book leading up to it. It's like, oh, maybe I'm like more than just a security unit. And it's like detailing all the events that have happened so far with like that has led up to this book and murderbot's like oh this is my body's like trauma response to everything that has happened to me i, I don't know it's christina can't help me out <laughs> <laughs> describe describe how like how great Murderbot is because I'm I'm struggling beyond like yeah Murderbot's great. So this was going to be at the end. I was going to sneak it in because I can't pick one of the books. I love the entire series. There's not like a standout. It's one of those very rare series where every single book is the same caliber, um, and yet it goes in interesting directions. But I. Josh, what you said about like Murderbot makes a friend finally made something click in my head about it. Is like this is what would happen. This is what would actually happen in one of those '90s movies where the the little kid is some somehow an adult. It's like a little <laughs> kid who has unimaginable like violence powers, who's so depressed about it, and like. Just it's like the joy of watching someone, of watching a little kid make a friend or a little kid figure out how to like function in the world, but also the joy of watching an adult be mad about it. <laughs> it's just like Murderbot cares, and won't admit that it cares. Murderbot's like the ultimate sundere. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So that's, mad. It's like I. It's like. Literally, Murderbot would be like, I have to go to the corner now and have my feelings there and just be done with it. And, like, this is what. Okay. <laughs> and, like, 
What's best of, and you know what? The, what's best of all is that Murderbot's dialogue is so good. It'll, it's like, <laughs> and Murderbot has a mouth on them, and it's like it'll be like Murderbot makes a friend, and then Murderbot will be like, "Fuck you for making me <laughs> care about this." <laughs> It's everything that you want that that you say to your friend in your G chat mm-hmm. in your meeting. Okay. Your job. <laughs> uh, like it's all the feelings that you have as a as a like jaded millennial. Mm-hmm. But like quippier. It's what you it's what you think your own internal monologue should be if your internal monologue was not like for 24 hours straight. Like Murderbot is just so done with humanity, but also Murderbot loves its humans. It's right. Like, it's Murderbot keeps humans as its pets. It's like Murderbot is the ultimate cat herder. <laughs> And it's just like, I hate these idiots. I love them so much. <laughs> Murderbot has to deal with a teenager in the first novel. And oh my Murder- god, amazing. <laughs> and their interactions, like, the teenager comes, and the teenager is like, almost like Gen Z, where the teenager comes from a uh, colony that recognizes sec units as people. And Murderbot can't deal with that. <laughs> 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 Murderbot's just like, like the the teenager will be like, I care about you, and Murder Boo will be like, I can't handle that. I can't. <laughs> what do you mean? It's very millennial meets Gen Z. Gen That's Z is great. just kind of like, yeah, I have like three parents, two mothers. Like it's it's great. Um, emotionally actualized. You know, I had gentle parenting, and Murderbot's like, someone hit me with a stick. <laughs> uh, it's like. Murderbot gets hugged once in all seven books that I've read, and the, the, the lead up to that moment is like, Murderbot is like, just this one time, I will allow you to hug me. <laughs> but also, like, there's cool science fiction happening in the background. Okay. The action oh, yeah. scenes when Murderbot goes into oh, action are so cool. They're it's like, like if Tom Cruise didn't suck. Because, like, Murderbot is designed. It's like Murderbot is if you would take like Kratos from the new God of War games, because like Kratos's arc in the new God of War games that are coming out the last year is like, what if I wasn't an unfeeling monster and, <laughs> and just <laughs> killing? But also, like, dad. I, I care about my son and I care about other people now. But also, I am so good at violence. And that's murder. Yeah, I'm getting like a yeah. like a Last of Us like Joel and Ellie kind of like it's like older man who's just like fucking tired and has done a lot of murder and it's like I'm tired. But like, like gets, yeah. Murderbot doesn't think like a person. Murderbot thinks like a robot. You, but the thing is, Murderbot isn't fully a robot. It's like it's like what what if fry in that one episode of futurama where he thought he was a robot was a robot kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't or know. what's the what's the robot's name in hitchhiker's guide oh marvin marvin <laughs> murderbot is kind of like marvin <laughs> it's marvin if he were both competent and interesting yeah. instead of a foil okay mm-hmm. 
And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, Murderbot's so great. I can't wait for another Murderbot book. I- I've already started rereading them. That's how great Murderbot. And they're quick. They're quick reads, too, is, the, is what the best part is. The biggest compliment I can pay it is that I had free copies and I couldn't find them on my computer fast enough that I bought them and I downloaded them again. And then I bought the physical copies because I wanted to dog ear things. I have paid so much money because I'm like, Martha Wells, just take my income. It's fine. As long as you produce more murder, I will live in a cardboard box. I literally read all of them and went and bought all the hardcovers because like i'm pretty sure while we're recording this episode the rest (laughs) of my murderbot arc hardcovers are being delivered (laughs) yeah i um if they had better merchant if there were any merchandise i would buy the t-shirt like i would buy a mug i would buy a hoodie yep and and i just want to say like in no way is me reading them connected to the fact that they've announced a Murderbot Apple No, Josh, Josh show. predated. We can oh. attest. He predated the announcement. I was so annoyed. when the, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, everyone's going to think I jumped on the bandwagon. I was like, no. <laughs> no. I knew about Murderbot beforehand. Yes. In fact, I was like, I think you had an article earlier this year of like five reasons to read Murderbot. Oh, yeah. Something like that, yeah. And... Uh, someone on either Blue Sky or Twitter commented late or liked it late, uh, like as recently as last week. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, Murderbot. I should check out Murderbot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my that's my book. So, Books. Yeah, that nice. Have, has been on my radar for a while. Might be a, a nice, easy thing to dive into over the, the Christmas break. Because yeah. If you guys are speaking so highly, the last time you guys both spoke so highly of something, it was a course of dragons. So. <laughs> last time we did this and started yeah. a podcast. Oops. Yeah. Oops. I will say, though, it is also good for, I read all of them when I was really mad at my whatever job I had at the time. They're oh, really yeah. satisfying you when you hate your job. Yeah. Because um, Murderbot hates all, not just the, like, the company that they came from, but every company. <laughs> yes. It's deeply anti-capitalistic. Nice. That's good. I love my job, but also I am always trying to remember to not get lost in the sea of capitalism, so. Right. Yeah. There's like, it, I don't, it's it's ironically one of the more hopeful sci-fi series, because all the sci-fi lately is like, capitalism takes over the universe, we're all gonna die so soon. Just like, this is exactly that nihilistic and acknowledge it. It's like how women watch true crime. It's like, yes, yes everything okay. is terrible, yep. but there is this utopia we can reach. And Murderbot <laughs> fucking finds it and he lives there and it's great. And it is unrealistically hopeful. Right. It's like, even the like utopia isn't perfect. Like the, the, the one that the novella that has Murderbot solves a mystery. The, yeah. It has like, um, cops that don't trust Murderbot, and like things aren't things aren't one hundred percent perfect, but it's still hopeful. Yeah. Nice. 
So sorry, Steph, you have a book now that Josh Murder bot. Murder bot. Murder bot. My book also kind of has robots in it, in a way. My next book is Red River 7 by A.J. Ryan. Ooh, yes. Which we did for our Halloween episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, like, here's the thing. The rest of the books on my list for today are all books we covered on the show. Um, but so, you know, if you want the full details of those, go listen to those episodes. But Red River 7 was super fun. It was a great mystery. Uh, cool, like, spooky, creepy vibes. I love the whole, like, like we talked about, you know, Christina is like, I'm also a sucker for an amnesia story. Because it's it's fun and you like trying to like pick all the little pieces together and I love I love it when there's a puzzle to solve, um, so it's a great book for that. It's just written very well. It's a quick read, uh, solid across the board like spookum vibes and also yeah kind of also has a hopeful ending which is always fun, and uh, yeah it was just it was great it was a, it was a super good book. I definitely gonna keep an eye out for. Um, the rest of, you know, Anthony Ryan as A.J. Ryan doing his, like, horror stuff. And, like, it came out of nowhere. Yeah! It kind of did, didn't it? Anthony Ryan just finished a trilogy of fantasy books. Yeah, huge fantasy series. And I did not, like, I I did not see this book, this horror book, on, like, if this book came around very quickly, because it's like, I didn't see it on, like, future release lists from Orbit. I didn't see it mentioned. Okay. And maybe that's because, you know, I don't know how it works. Like, maybe you got to advertise your first book coming out before you could advertise your second maybe. book coming out. But it's just like, hey, you know how you just finished this trilogy of really good fantasy books? And, like, you've been following. This is, like, my third series of fantasy books. Oh, I wrote I wrote a horror book. <laughs> like, And it comes out yeah. three months after... <laughs> The fa- yeah. the third fantasy book. Clearly, this has been a year for Sandersoning. Yeah, I, oh, so I was gonna, just gonna say like it's not a new thing for say like authors to go like write other genre things under you know different pseudonames or different variations of their names and stuff. No, but I do feel like we're seeing a lot of it, especially mm-hmm. these like yeah big like epic fantasy authors kind of stepping to the side and being like you know what I also you know want to do something short and horror and something that's not going to fit into kind of my my normal repertoire and i'm super enjoying it like yeah like red river seven i mean yeah like sanderson is pumping out all sorts of weird genre stuff all over the place now which is great um i I mean i think t kingfisher falls in that category to a certain degree she's been doing it for a while right like stepping out from children's books to you know all this uh, wide gamut of alternate uh stuff you know horny books and scary books and baking books and, <laughs> um and you i know the three I genders here for it yeah yes <laughs> i am absolutely here for this yeah this trend of uh authors being like you know what no i'm gonna go do something else i'm gonna go i'm gonna make a yeah i'm gonna write a horror book i'm gonna write a sci-fi book um more of this please because the, it's it's wonderful to see people like get to kind of stretch their wings and and do different things and uh for the most part i think they've all been good and i would i would hope that it's good for them too to like you know try and try new things and keep things fresh like you know, i don't want people to end up in you know these sort of like george r, r. martin scenarios where they feel like they have to keep writing the same books 
oh, forever, and then they don't because that sucks. Uh, because they don't like love it anymore. So I hope that it's also good for the authors. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Red River Seven, fantastic book. Again, like I think a great pick up and read. Um, spooky enough to be like a fun, quick, a good quick read. But like it could, it could be a good vacation book too. Like it's not so horrifying that it'll like upset you or anything. Uh, solid book. Solid book. Well, you said made me realize, like, everybody's stepping out into horror specific. Like, I feel like horror has had an amazing mm. time lately. Everybody, like, it used to be the thing that there was Stephen King, and yeah. then there was, like, Zombies, a bunch of weirdos it. who didn't, like, like do a good Aunt job. Rice, like, kind of fantasy it. horror, yeah. Yeah, just, like, kind of either, like, Stephen King, Anne Rice, or nobody. And then, like, fringe stuff. Um, but now a lot of people are doing it. I feel like, I don't know, I don't know who to give credit for. Like there are a few authors I could name, but also like A24. Thank you. The movie studio for Midsummer. And, um, what, what's the one with Tony Collette? The, uh, inherit, no, something about heritage. Oh yeah. Um, Um, it's not inheritance, but it's, it's like that. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, yeah. A twenty four is really kind of like redefined, yeah. not redefined horror, but like they are showing ho- the different shades of horror. And yeah, it's not just between like, them and Jordan Peele. Yeah, yeah. And like get like, out. Speaking of A twenty four and horror, if you want to find out the cursed horror lives of the Von Erichs professional wrestling family, the Iron <laughs> Claw is out now. <laughs> <laughs> no seriously uh, like if you want to be like if you want to come out of a movie depressed about a family of wrestlers go oh, see God. the iron claw oh, boy. they like they are literally like there's a you know there's a saying in wrestling the von eric curse because they oh. all have had like a cursed life oh no i don't coming out at 824 I, I don't know that i can deal with that <laughs> that's real I, life I don't, yeah, I'm not <laughs> go into the horror. One of my books is a horror collection, actually. Um, it's called The Black Maybe. Um, it's by, it, it's the first book translated from a Hungarian author. I never read short fiction because I can't deal with my brain, like, the story stopping and another one starting. And, like, there's something that I hate about that. Um, like, if you just gave me the short story by itself, I would read it. But the succession of them it irritates me. But these are all loosely connected, a lot of them. They're really good. They're really cosmic horror without any of the racist, like, Lovecraft shit, nice. as far as I can tell. Um, and they're really smart. Like, one of them's written, like, a trip advisor, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> to a horrifying, like, alternate reality. <laughs> uh and I just, like, every single one is a knockout. I love them. And it's... I just feel like horror is having a great time right now. Good job, horror. Good job, horror. Good job, horror. Yeah. Way to go. Is it my turn again? Yes. Okay. Uh, my next book is uh, The Gods of Weirdwood by R.J. Barker. Um, I feel like in fantasy... Uh, oftentimes, especially with books with magic, 
is not the magic's fault that someone uses it for evil. It's usually the person's using it for evil or the the creature or whatever. In the gods of Weirdwood, the magic is the evil part. It, it's literally like they're called cowls and you like bond. It's like a, almost like a like a symbi a symbiotic relationship. And when you bond with the cowl, you grow more powerful by by feeding on the life energy of other people. So basically, if you want to become more powerful with this magic, you have to kill people in order to do it to get more powerful. The book is set up as in this world, in this like continent, the North and South are in like constant war against each other for control of who gets spring and who is stuck with horrible winters. And the book is set in the North where they have never won this war and they have always been uh, stuck with horrible winters. And there is a, you know, prophecy that a chosen uh, Kalrai, who are the people that, um, like, are that are strongest with the cowl, will rise up. And each Kalrai is like, like, each one represents a certain god. And there's a prophecy that one of them will rise up and re retake spring for the north it sets up uh the main character is like prophesized to be that chosen one and then fails and like through then it's like love a failed chosen one ten years, two, actually. it's like 10 years later the main character is become like not sort of like that line between cynicism and i like I'm a realist kind of deal where he's just like trying to survive, trying to regain his farm. And the current Calri that has risen up has basically killed off all the other Calri for all the other gods. And so now it, this went from a multiple gods nation to only one god. And this the main character is like the last Kalrai um of any other of those gods. He is sort of like the the hero that doesn't want to be a hero. He's put into a situations where he meets a young a young the the regular like people that are um have the connection to the the cow they're just called Rai. And there's a young um, non-binary character that he's like the young idealist meeting the old cynical, like the two heroes that are like cynical and idealist. And he's like, I don't want to kill people. And the old one is like, yeah, sometimes you just got to kill people. And he, <laughs> And in between that... An important that, life lesson for all of us, really. <laughs> and in between that is this, like, the the weird wood is, like, this forest on near it that the main character has become the forester of. Like, he's the only one that knows how to travel through it. 
and knows the ecosystem of it. And his approach to life is the same way the forest is. It's like, it's not evil or good. It's just, it just is. It's like, he takes the same approach of, you know, not quite survival of the fittest, but more like, sometimes this is just the way nature is. And you see, it's fun to see him grow from doing the bare minimum to survive, to get by, not really concerned with what is happening in the world. Like, he was a chosen one, and then that didn't end up working out. And now he's been put into a situation where... He has to save people again, or he has to be a protector. He he has and he has to do something about the whole situation that's going on in the north. And he is not he's not here for it. He, he's just like I just wanted to be. He's like the Hulk kind of like I just wanted to be left alone. I I didn't want to be involved. All you had to do was let me have my farm and leave me alone. And now he's been thrust into the, like, the big plot. And it's just fun to read a character just like, oh, God. It, it, he's not like Murderbot in, in the nihilistic way. I was just going to say, I was like, sensing a theme. <laughs> it's more like he's just like, yeah, there's really, this isn't going to work out. Like, <laughs> it's more like, just like, I... You can see like the shell sort of grow where he goes from just doing making decisions that benefits him and not even like benefits in the way that is like um he gains something, but it's more like he gets to keep living. And you see to see that shell break of like him starting to make decisions that he's like, This is a no win situation for me. I could have run away and gotten out of this but now I'm like sticking with this village that the the new Kalrai is about to attack, and, it, and it's just like um, as an ending that is sort of like hopeful for the next book, and but it'll be interesting to see how his personality changes because it's like the shell isn't completely gone, but now there's like new information that maybe changes his outlook. I definitely added it to my list. That sounds that sounds yeah. awesome. I love corrupting influences too. Yeah, it's always nice to have like a very different kind of magic system too. Yeah. Also it takes me back to my Robert Jordan days where it's like, oh no. Oh, yeah. It's tainted. I'll go mad for nine books. I like it. The rye in the book make you like question like are all these people with the cowl inherently evil or does the thirst for more power make is that making them evil and then it's just like the main character that is the cynic and the the young character that is the idealist neither of them have been corrupted by their cowls and so the book has like you questioning whether Oh, is it society that is evil? We live in a society. Um, <laughs> or is it... I'm very smart. Is it the cowls that are evil? Or is it just like the nature of 
Like, is it the magic of the world? Like, it has you questioning which is the evil part in all of it by the end of the book. It sounds cool. Love some, love some yeah. moral ambiguity. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like it. for an hour on Tuesdays, I like it. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Uh, I do enjoy a crotchety, uh, reluctant hero now and then, too. That, yeah. Yeah. Josh, I like how all of your books are, like, blatantly anti-system, but, like, yeah. reluctantly so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll save the world. <laughs> I mean, it is a like a like a theme of the book. A lot of the books we read, Course of Dragons is like that. Yeah, uh, the Lock's Tomb is kind of like yep. that. Stormlight Archive is kind of like that. There's a reason we we uh, do what we do. Yeah, <laughs> and read what we read. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is that that? It wasn't a criticism. I, I share yeah. your I share your interest. To be honest, yeah. if you think about it, there's not that many books where it's like, yeah, the system is great. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. I think we'd be reading literature with a video. Everything is working perfectly. <laughs> yeah, Steph, do you have another book for us? So my next book is uh, a book that was also on my halfway through the year. Uh, it is "Some Dust for Glory" by Emily Tesh. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was a, a again like a cool sci-fi book uh, that absolutely went places that I did not expect. Uh, you know, I always respect uh, an author that can uh, turn my expectations on head. Uh, I love I love cult shit. There's a lot of cult shit going on in mm. that book. Uh, and uh, you know, another book not unlike Tress, where like the true magic at the end of the day <laughs> is empathy. And yeah, but yeah, like you know, it's, it's a book about like the power of empathy and understanding people around you and. Uh, the yeah uh going from someone who is uh a straight up terrible person the Uh protagonist is is a terrible person at the beginning and seeing that journey and it is it can be really hard to nail that journey in a book in a way that were like you're reading this at the beginning you're like this person sucks but you still want to keep reading uh because sometimes you're just like this person sucks and i don't feel like seeing them suck for much longer uh, so I think Emily Tesh really nailed that. Uh, we, I mean, we've loved Emily. Everything I think that we've read from Emily Tesh, I hope that she does more long format stuff going forward and uh, some more, more sci-fi going forward. Because it was great. Yeah. yeah, it's another one of those books that, like, this is also, like, a definitely a theme of a lot of the books I read. It's like, the truth that you've been told your entire life Yes. May not be the truth. Yes, which I think that is that's another theme that we really enjoy. And we, we talked about this a little bit in when we were talking about um Trust of the Emerald Sea and You Mean the Nightwork Mayor Painter, like uh Sanderson does this a lot where like he'll present to you a worldview and I'm instantly like, Well that's not what's actually happening. <laughs> Yeah, Sanderson's good at undermining his like book one, setup, book two, undermine. It, well and sometimes my glory is like uh, it does a great job of, like, you think you know where it's going on that track. You're like, okay, this person's gonna, like, you know, leave their terrible culty space station home, and they're gonna go out in the world and see how things really are and, you know, change, and that's not what happens. <laughs> uh, so and There's a lot of, like, self-discovery and also, yeah. like, 
man, you realize that main character, like, it's not even it's not even that they didn't know the truth. They were just so like self delusional. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the, they're not they not only have been lied to, but they have been lying to themselves. Yes. Yes, very much so. So yeah, it's uh it's solid I th- yeah. I think it's uh a a book that you can appreciate also if you've been in any kind of like environment where maybe you yeah, you didn't question things, like whether it was like a religion or like a terrible work environment or a toxic friend group. Uh, there's, there's something to be kind of gleaned from that character's journey. And, uh, and it's, and it's a cool world and it's got, you know, spaceships and interdimensional shit. And, uh, I, I, I always, uh, one of the things I love the most about it is like, it is a universe where humans are like, the most physically dominant species, which mm. I, you don't get a lot in sci-fi. Like normally it's either like humans are the only species or, you know, we're like the weak little fleshy things, but we have <laughs> spunk. <laughs> yeah. The and manic sexy like, dream species. Yeah, exactly. And this is like a, this is a, a world where, uh, other aliens rightfully fear humans. Back to gods of weirdwood real quick. I think what I like about it so much is that, like, so often books about where, like, the truth is not the truth, Mm -hmm. like, it's usually, like, halfway through the book that Mm -hmm. Gods of Wordwood is, like, 90%, this is the way of the world, and then Mm -hmm. it's the very last minute when things Mm -hmm. are really crucial that you find out, no, that is not so. That might drive me crazy, though, because I think because like part of why I love a the world is not what you think is because, again, like it's a mystery, like it's a puzzle, right? Like I'm always looking for those pieces of like what is actually happening. And so to find it out all at the end, I might be like, no, yeah, but no, it, it's, it's, more. it's different because it's like this is the way it is. And the main characters like, yeah, but we're going to fight anyway. And so it's it, it's not. When they find out this is the way it is, isn't the way it is. It's not so much like being being like a cop out at the last second. It's more like rewarding the main characters for okay. trying nice. to do the trying to change. Often, see, this is also the thing about reviewing stuff for a long time. I don't know if you guys feel it. like I do enjoy that, but also more and more, it just feels like. Man, you, like I, author, had a great time in college. I was <laughs> like, wow. You also came from a vaguely conservative, like, smaller area, went to college, met people you didn't expect to meet, and were like, gosh, I guess we're not so different. <laughs> and, like, this is mostly contempt for myself. Like, this is not aimed at any particular book. And, like, I'm just... Sometimes you read those books and you're like, yeah. Sure, do love reading the New York Times. You're you're an evangelical, and you're working through some stuff. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like full respect. Like everyone gets to write their own journey, but like sometimes you want to see weird shit because you you've lived that story. Like (laughs) yeah, like man, my twenties sure were the weird wood. (laughs) Oh, and also there is weird shit in the in the book. Nice. Okay, I do love it. So it's not good. It is called you, Weird Wood for a reason. Good. I was gonna say if you're calling it the Weird Wood, like, come on, there's come some, on. there's some weird stuff. Come Otherwise, on. it's false advertising. <laughs> I can arrest you for that. 
<laughs> Only in Canada, though. That's, yeah. Yeah. If, if you're not a weird one, you have to tell me, otherwise it's entrapment. <laughs> otherwise it's entrapment. Oh, man. All right, Christina, what do you um, got next? Okay, this book definitely has weird shit, and it also is the world is not what you expect, but that happens in the first chapter, which I respect. I love, more and more, I love people who blow up their own plot lines. Um, Michael Schur, great at it on TV. Everything you expect, second episode, True. one and done. Yep. Um, but yeah, so The Saint of Bright Doors, I talked about it last time, I think. I think um, you talked about it at the halfway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the last time was an extremely vague statement. Weirdly, I've been <laughs> yes. seeing it, like, advertised a lot lately. He's, I, this is not 100% a perfect book, but this is definitely, like, one of those books where you read it and you're like, this is the start of an amazing career. This is like uh, what's Neil, one of Neil Gaiman's like early books. Um, American the Gods. One where it's, no, Neverwhere. The, Neverwhere. It's like Neverwhere. It's like it's not a perfect book, and you can see some of the seams, uh-huh. but like, holy shit, like nothing that came before. Um, and yeah, so the main character like realizes that he's been raised to be an assassin to kill his own father by his mother who has nothing but revenge on her mind and and he's like maybe that's not a great idea and he immediately goes to therapy the first the first chapter is oh, like group therapy refreshing. it's like it's very funny um but yeah it's like this very interesting world and ultimately the world is not what you think in a way that kind of interrogates like colonialism and who gets to write history and the people who get to write history change history by the writing. And it's very sophisticated, but also you don't have to kind of, you, you kind of don't have to appreciate it at that level to appreciate the book. Because it's also about magical doors appearing and like, yeah, okay, there's more than a little that's the same as Neverwhere. Um, yeah, really good. Um, any any like slight unevenness with the ending is like more than taken care of by the like, absolutely astonishing range and breadth like it's one of those old school books where it's like and then he ends up in prison and then he ends up on the outskirts and then he ends up in the rich people house and he borrowed his sandals it was like he just uh, is a character that a lot of things happen to which you don't see as much anymore uh which i really like actually so yeah what do you mean so like now there's a lot of focus on like agency and the main character has to be driving the action um but this main character is kind of content to be in therapy and like not he's he's achieved his main goal of not murdering his father like a okay. good job dude and, I you but like, like he's like passive in his own story where things are he's he, not passive but like he's part of the city where like he's not the person in control right and like that's an important character traits sometimes too like you are not really in control of your own life you are subject to the forces of like politics and religion and all this shit that's out of your control and i i I kind of appreciate that after reading but again no shade to ya i'm just over it now i might get back into it who knows but like the ya like I'm the one driving the entire force of history and I'm going to end the Hunger Games and stop the winter and fuck it. Like, no, man, you're 14. Like, so 
I just I just like the I like the quest where the heroes like someone hands the hero something and it's just kind of like hey you got to go put the sword in that stone or I don't fucking know <laughs> take it out of the stone something with stones we love a quest we love a quest but we also love like I like the the pendulum is swinging a little bit back toward like hey sometimes weird shit just happens to you and like how you react oh, okay. is important not just how you act right you're not the driving force of history. You're not in charge of every single mech. If if you want to read a book about being in charge of every single mech, like more power to you. I'm not here to judge, but like, big big fan of yeah. Sometimes shit happens. Sometimes you end up in a refugee camp that's actually bigger than the city, which is a commentary on our own world. I I feel like we'll probably see a lot of this as like. I mean, not that millennials aren't like out there writing books now, but as, as like Gen Z also kind of ages and like begins to get into the writing world like because you know we are generations where like a lot of shit has happened to us and we haven't had a lot of control and i think that trend is unfortunately continuing and we millennials did not have it great gen z is probably going to have it worse uh so yeah i can for sure i i get why that that is probably an emerging trend in writing and I, I think the bifurcation is fine, too. Like, if you want to reassert your control in a fantasy world where you do have control, like, yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Totally. I was like, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Because, like, you do like, have power. Right. But at the well, same like, time. Maybe yeah. people don't want to read a book where it's like, hey, you are, mm. <laughs> this character doesn't have any control. Here's a reminder True. that you don't have control. Yes, yeah, it depends on, like, what flavor of escapism you're looking for. And, like, sometimes it might vary day to day. Mm -hmm. I should also caveat this. One of my favorite books of all time is The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, where the the main character is, is, like, so passive. Things just happen to him, and they're so fucking weird. So that (laughs) says a lot about my personality. Very formative book for me, where this guy is just like, huh, it's so weird. I'm just going to go sit in a well about it. Like a dried up well. Like, I'm just going to sit at the bottom of it and see what happens. For 600 pages. I love this book so much. Anyway. Josh. Okay. This is your last one, right? Are we on last one? Yeah, we're on last one. Okay. My last book is the sequel to last year's Daughter of Red Winter. uh, The Traitor of Red Winter by Ed McDonald. Um, We've all heard of the sophomore slump as... Second book slump, <laughs> as far as second books are concerned, and this does this book does not fall into that in any way. It is nice. a level up of the first book in every way, and uh, to set up, uh, Rain uh, is um, she can see the dead, she can see the spirits of the dead, and um, if anyone finds out, she will be stoned to death, and. She joins the Drowin, who are like the like monk wizard types in this book. That jobs are <laughs> their jobs are if they find out people can see the dead, they they're the ones doing okay. the stoning. Okay, so, oh, so the worst place for her to be. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's and the book opens up with, um, in the first book, Rain goes through a traumatic experience. And ends up in Red Winter with a Drowin train their apprentices and doesn't get selected to be an apprentice until the very end. I don't want to spoil the first book either, 
the events end up basically this book opens up with now rain gets to be an apprentice drowin and she's learning to become a drowin as like the world is expanding um in the world uh the king is not just like the ruler there is like a um a central core to the world that is protected by the king and the the central core of the world will eventually kill the king and they'll have to get a new king like the it's, it's like that classic uh you know romanticized version of the king where the king is not just uh, like king's a actually accomplishing something <laughs> the, you know it's like how like how Gondor suddenly becomes better when Aragorn becomes king, like, right away. It's the, like, the idea of the king heals the land. Yeah, okay. And the king mm-hmm. protects the land, and that's what... It's, it's literal in this book. And the Drowin... For all we know, it's literal in real life. I don't think Charles is, like... And Charles and the UK seem about on par. They're both not doing great. They're not doing great, and they look real bad. And the Drowin basically protect the king. And this book expands upon everything from the first book. You know, the lands, the magic, um, the relationships, and Rain is a teenager, as most of the cast are teenagers. And she is written like a well-written teenager. And that is to say, she's fucking stupid. I love it. <laughs> she makes some I knew it was hor- coming. Still horrible, funny. horrible decisions. It's like, <laughs> and it's just like the the book. You you coming in the, to the book with three like the way I I've written it is like you come to the book with three dreads, the dread of someone finding out what rain can do the the dread of um you know the king who is like at the end of his life uh dying and things going horribly wrong in the world uh for the drowin and everybody else and then there's the dread of oh no baby what are you doing don't do that (laughs) my daughter don't do that you're making making bad decisions daughter no because rain can see the dead she's done that teenager thing of automatically like putting themselves as an outsider and so makes decisions that pushes people away that you know like Mm. her friends away it's like Uh, like that self-fulfilling prophecy of like like oh i am an outsider so i will make dumb decisions that pushes people away that makes me more an outsider that way i fulfill this idea in my head oh i was always an outsider and then and then like on top of that there's the like main plot line going on like she's becoming like a trained magical warrior and so we'll make like self-sacrificial trained magic warrior decisions <laughs> on top of that. I'm like, oh my god, you were such a teenager. 
Okay, I couldn't even see the dead, and I did that, so respect yeah, to the author. Like, <laughs> uh, it's like, okay, I am a straight white man, so I don't know anything about how well this is written, but from other people, I have gleamed that Rain is, like, having, like Kieran, there, <laughs> she's having her, like, bisexual awakening mm-hmm. to this book. And unlike Kieran, she's not dealing with it well. <laughs> and, like, and Karen is not not a not a high bar. No, you didn't do you didn't do a great bar. job. And like rain, <laughs> rain. So like I already set up that if anyone finds out rain can see the dead, she'll be stoned to death. Mm-hmm. She makes she doesn't like she doesn't make decisions that is like hey maybe you shouldn't be doing this because you're <laughs> you're like you're making yourself more easily. Like, fa- like, okay, Rain's powers expand in this book. Like, mm-hmm. without spoiling anything, Rain's powers grow in this book. And, like, Rain will constantly be like, oh, if anyone finds out, they're going to kill me. And then there'll be some, like, thing that happens in the story. There'll be, like, a relief that you'll be like, ah, I guess Rain is going to live a bit longer. <laughs> and then she'll make another horrible decision that you're like, what are you doing? They're gonna kill you! And it's just a constant. And the other thing that I love about this book is there's a character from the first book that is a typical stupid man teenager. Well, not I don't even say man. I'm gonna say boy. He is a boy making like the worst teenage boy you ever met like spreading gossip <laughs> very misogynistic but doesn't realize they're being misogynistic and you're like i hate this character and then the this book tricks you into thinking they've improved and i'm just like i don't believe you <laughs> and, and then the book has a reveal that is like you, I knew it. I was right all along. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for validating my feelings about this uh, horrible character. That is always nice. And then, okay, like, and then on top of that, all the magic and all the plotline stuff and all the like cool things that they do is awesome. And there's like a lot of dead like necromancy magic and a lot of fire magic, and it's just like all that is cool. But like. My main driving point is that this is a dumb teenager doing dumb teenage things, and you want to see them. There's a lot of, like, dread going through decisions, but then it's also mixed with, like, cool magic. Sweet. Nice. And I mean, ultimately, <laughs> like, the dumb teenage things didn't put you off. Like, this is a book that you've you've mentioned to us a couple times, like, over the no, past few Rain months, is like, very... one of your favorite books. Rain is a very likable character, so when she makes bad decisions, you're yeah. like, no! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so come for the magic, but stay for the baby girl. Uh, like, just a, just a minor spoiler, she, like, it's like, yeah, she, like, goes on a date, and then, like, on the way to the date, she, like, checks on a friend at a bar, and 
Like it's like, oh, I'll just have one shot, and then <laughs> suddenly <laughs> doesn't suddenly doesn't show up. <laughs> she didn't show up for the date. She wakes up like, Highly oh, I relatable. missed the date, and it's like. Why did you do this to me? <laughs> Why are you doing this to Your me? Your book father. <laughs> yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Okay, but also, so, like, I love it. Disaster, but relatable disaster. And it's like, the like it's just so, like, it's a relatable, like, it's not relatable to me now, but it's like, yeah. It makes you throw back to it being relatable then of like Rain <laughs> doesn't know what she, she doesn't she's so confused about like her identity like of like who she is and who she wants to be and the like the main inner conflict is that in this book. You might actually get me to read more YA. No thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, this sounds like as close Latina's as I'm willing to get. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's why. That's why. Also, why I really like it is because it is not YA at all. Like, it doesn't have those vibes. Like the maybe the way I described it, it does, but it doesn't come off that way because, like, I don't know. Rain the rain doesn't solve every problem. Yeah, YA is a vibe for sure. It doesn't just require the the main characters to be teenagers. And it's like everything doesn't work out. Yeah, that's fair. I like I like a bit of realism. It reads more like the way YA should be rather than what YA Ooh, is. Nice, yeah. Mm. I'm sorry, YA. <laughs> yeah, again, no real shade, just just you could be better. Or just like I've been there, I yeah. visited that country. I don't need to go back. It's like Belgium. Yeah, yeah. Sorry again. <laughs> now I'm sorry to white fans <laughs> and Belgians. What's wrong with Belgium? No, wow, I why just are you eating French fries and potatoes or French fries and chocolate so much? That sounds great. I liked both of those things. I was there, did it. Yeah. Don't don't feel you know. There's other places to go now. Yeah. What about kimchi and um, uh, popping soup? Those are both Korea. Um. <laughs> I've never had kimchi. Kimchi's pretty good. Kimchi, yeah, highly you gotta have it with stuff. Yeah, just, just kimchi to on start. its own is is like just eating like coleslaw. You gotta work up to it. It's like yeah. just eating. Um, or it's like scotch. It's like you 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 don't start with it when you start drinking. Yeah, you will just yeah. you'll be licking like a bog. <laughs> but like once you get there, it's delicious. Yeah. YA, like licking a bog. <laughs> I'm sorry, YA. Once you I get know, there, sorry, it's YA. delicious. <laughs> no, YA is like uh, just the sweetest fucking. Yeah. It's like MMs on. YA is like candy floss. <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah. Or like Mike's Hard Lemonade. Oh, God. I can't it's wait like, for three years from now when we're doing a book podcast about. A YA book that right. features oh, boats. <laughs> Isn't that kind of trash? Oh, uh, look, not, I'm willing, I'm willing come to be off wrong. As YA either. It, yeah, weirdly enough, Tress, I think like you could do, you could read with a kid. Like I think you could probably like like an eight eight or plus year old child mm. would probably enjoy Tress. Okay. I don't know. 
Let's see, I don't know. I don't know a lot about children. <laughs> yeah, I suddenly have a niece, and I'm like, "What are kids like? Pokemon?" And I was reading like fairly advanced books when I was eight, but also I have a book podcast now, so I'm probably not a good benchmark for that. Yeah, I like I didn't have the greatest childhood, and then when I'm like, "Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, fourth graders should be reading Wicked." That's not the worst thing that happened to me. <laughs> That's not a good benchmark either. Yeah, I don't really know the state of children and reading these days. No, me neither. Yeah, no. I know that like yeah. more and more schools are getting rid of their in-school libraries, which makes me sad. That's so That's stupid. Sad. I can't even. Yeah. Can't even anyway. that stupid. Steph, <laughs> this... do you have a book? Hello. Yes, right. I do have a book. <laughs> My favorite book of the year is The Bell in the Fog by Lev A.C. Rosen, oh, which is nice. the sequel to last year's Lavender House, which is also one of my favorites of that year. Uh, very similar to what you said about The Trader of Red Winter. Like, it, second book is hard. Second anything is hard. Uh, and this book is absolutely a level up in, in every way from the first. Uh, the first book is good. This book is great. I super enjoyed uh, the the mystery is way better. It's like it, it's it's kind of it's not that it's hard to figure. It's not that it's easy easy to figure out it in the first one, but it's just like it's uh, the scope of the book is smaller, so there's only like a limited amount of options. This is a much bigger. It takes place in sort of the the broader San Francisco area. You uh, learn. I I, uh, I did a, an interview with Lev. In October, while I was riddled with COVID, um, so you are I, I never had a chance to review this book because I read it and then like probably got COVID and then just it didn't happen. Um, but I love the fact that the sort of scope has expanded and Lev tries to sort of tackle a different historical subject around LGBTQ life in in the fifties. And so in this one, it was uh, it was bars like. What does a gay bar look like in 1950s San Francisco? And San Francisco at that time, I think it was California overall, had a very specific kind of legal loophole that let you run a gay bar. And there were certain things that were like still not allowed. Like you couldn't like dance with another man or, um, you know, um, drag queens couldn't necessarily like be in drag. Anyways, they go into it in the book. It's, so it's like you're in learning sort of like this really interesting historical kind of aspects to uh, the characters are uh, expanded a lot in this book and improved upon. There's more characters, interesting variety of people. Um, you yeah, you just, everything is just a little bit more than uh, the first book. And it's really, really enjoyable. Oh, also like you learn a lot about like how the military kind of operated around LGBTQ people like in the war and after and what that, you know, what like the, the way that sort of the deep, deep fear of being found out, how that translated and how that affects people's lives. Uh, it's it's a great book. It's a great mystery. It's a great book. It's a really excellent uh, evolution of that first book uh, in every way. And he has plans for more, which I'm very excited for. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was great to be able to uh, chat with Lev about that, but also it's a fantastic book. And I would say like, even if you didn't, read or even necessarily enjoy Lavender House, I would really recommend The Bell in the Fog because it does have a fairly different vibe. Um, the first one is very Agatha Christie um, and then this one is more I'm blanking on uh, the author that this one was themed off of this time. 
we talked about it in the interview, but I had COVID, so I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so wait, yeah, the first book was literally based around Agatha Christie. It's that style, right? Like you have a group of people in a house, and there's been a murder, and so it's it's very. Agatha it didn't occur to me until you said it, and then I was like, oh, yeah. duh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this book is much more like noir, you know, mm. like the city of San Francisco plays a big part of it. And there's Raymond Chandler. Fog. Chandler. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Chan- this is his Chandler book. Uh, so, yeah, I it, it's super enjoyable. It's another quick read, which is great. Um, good mystery. Genuinely, like, kept me guessing till the end in, in a way that Lavender House did not. Uh, I was pretty sure I knew what was happening in Lavender House, but this one I was like, I don't know. But when it came together, it was like very satisfying. So, Bell in the Fog, solid book. And so, like, is it just one bar that like is like a major setting in the book, or is it more like? Yeah, a... so uh, it's it's a there's a bunch. So this uh, the main character uh, uh, Evander Kane operates out of a bar, like that's where his office is. Oh, okay. And so, and so in, so he used to be a cop and then he got uh, caught in a raid. So he got kicked out off of the force and eventually gets through in the course of the first book, it's hired by this family, solves a murder for them and goes into a private detective specifically serving the LGBT community of San Francisco because they are deeply and utterly underserved by the law. Uh, so part of this book is also him trying to gain that community's trust, right? Like everybody right. knows he used to be a cop and that he participated in bar raids and things like that uh, because he was trying to stay closeted at that time. So it's a part of like him kind of grappling with that side of him, you know, what it means to be out of the closet, uh, the danger that comes with that. Uh, and then also, yeah, trying to gain the trust of the community uh, so it, it, on top of the mystery, there's all this like really excellent kind of like character stuff uh, in it. And there's uh, in particular, there's some really great scenes where he talks about how um, they're talking about the, you know, the shame and the fear and everything that comes with being closeted in that time. And he talks about how he's like, yeah, like coming out and being public has not been perfect, but it is miles, miles different than being closeted all the time. And he's kind of like telling this other uh, character he's like you should try it because it's better than you think and it's not as bad as like living with that fear um, so yeah there's lots of excellent kind of like internal stuff character things good mystery cool setting learn a little history uh there's some fantastic uh side characters who are, are gonna stick around which is great um yeah fantastic good it sounds really good but unfortunately, my brain is dumb, and I grew up watching like two episodes of The Simpsons a day. So as soon as you said "gay bar," my first thing my brain went to is, "Wait a minute! There's something bothering me about this place. I know this lesbian bar doesn't have a fire exit." I'm sorry. I had to get yeah. that out. Yeah, he, like, the, the detective, he goes to, like, different types, kind of, of gay bars. So, like, one is a lesbian bar, and, like, one is a drag performing bar, and um, it's really cool, too. And they're based on real bars that were in San Francisco at that time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. That sounds, these books sound really good now. I might have to check them yeah, out. Yeah, they're good. And they're, like, quick. They're, I think they're 200, I think this one was, like, 250 pages, roughly. I'm so. glad books are getting, like, 
getting more of the range um, mm-hmm. of like page numbers because like some books like when I read it at your recommendation the Lavender House I haven't gotten to Ball in the Fog yet um, yeah, I was surprised it was just like it was quick it was snappy yeah like, yeah snappy it was is really a good like it. you know you didn't have to you didn't have to listen to miles of dialogue and there weren't like A B C D plots yeah so yeah yeah it's nice when there's just like an A plot and maybe a B plot. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, really, in, I don't know. Sometimes I forget. And, like, the word gay in my lifetime has meant yeah. so many different things. Oh, yeah. And, like, the fact that it wasn't talked about at all is something that, like, yeah. sometimes you forget. And so, like, reading that book, I was like, oh, wow. that Like, being outed mm-hmm. was, was sometimes a death sentence. Yeah. And, like, it still is in certain parts of the world. I'm not trying to yes. say. But, like, it's yes. gravy now. But, like... Yeah, sometimes yeah. good to remember. Man, like in elementary school, around like between seven, age seven and ten, like it's so it's so weird. My age and my generation is like we were just we were just saying you're gay, having yeah. no idea what it really meant. Mm-hmm. Like we were just, just saying a- like it was the equivalent of saying you're stupid. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like, it's I just don't like, really know. It's, I just know this is bad. Yeah. yeah, like we had no, it was bad, but we had no idea what it like really meant, and like it's it has changed so much, yeah. you know, f- for the better. Absolutely, obviously, but like, yeah. But it's like it's weird to think about, and it's interesting to think about, but it's also like you really don't realize the horrible things that. It, it can be really depressing in this book. Like there's there's bits where, um, basically like if this if this main character Andy if he gets like found by the police they'll kill him, mm-hmm. like they will beat him to death because they know what he is and that he used to be one of them. So there's a uh, you know a couple moments where like he has to like really work around policing because they'll kill him. And what time period is this? 1950s. I think it's specifically 54. Wow. Well, so it's like pre-Stonewall. Yeah. You don't get a lot of media. There's more and more now the idea that like, you know, gay people didn't just like exist spontaneously <laughs> pop into existence at Stonewall. And it's like, no, like these are the different ways that people have been living their lives or whether, you know, out closeted somewhere in the middle, the kind of survival strategies that these that people have had to try to live the best life that they can. Uh, and there and there's a lot of uh joy in these books too in in those people that have managed to find those uh those ways to survive in the world and in a world that was very very unkind to them yeah it's like yeah. how like in the last um three or four years there are people just like finding out for the first time about the um the 1921 Tulsa massacre yeah. and like how yeah, there was on Black yeah. Wall Street, and like shaped and into- you know shaped the lives of Black people in America for a hundred years, and like white folks had no fucking clue. Yeah, yeah. never, never taught. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yes, that is my that is my number one book of 2023. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, Christina, take us home. All right, uh, I'm going to take us home by cheating because this book is not out yet, so I felt like it was not fair to include. 
But I will say, if you want a mystery that is a different type of excellent uh, fantasy, uh, but based on Nero Wolf, which is a which is basically like an armchair detective, like he's just this dude who just wants to stay inside, but people bring him the clues. Um, so that's that's what it's based on. It's called The Tainted Cup. It's by Robert Jackson Bennett, who's one of my faves. Um, and in The Tainted Cup, it's like this Roman Empire type thing. It's very complex. It's very interesting. It's great. So when it comes out, I'm sure I'm going to plug it. But until then, um, that was definitely like an honorable mention for me this year. I also was like, I had a couple right at the end of the books that come out in the next couple of months, but next right, year. Yeah, I was like yeah. cheating. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, we'll so, save them for next year. Yeah. Maybe we'll do maybe we'll do this again in January. <laughs> um Yeah, no, my my number one book this year was Y slash N. I talked about it in the last time around. It's deeply weird. Uh it's not for everyone like a lot of books on this list. Uh, and it's about a woman who falls in love with a K-pop star. Uh, and it is like, full respect to AO3 writers, it's like the anti-AO3. It's like, it's very, but it's also a celebration of fan fiction. I, I can't totally explain it. You have to read it, but it's like, celebrates loving something so hard that you kind of come out the other side into being creative in a way that no one expects. Mm -hmm. Like she gets so obsessed that she flies to Korea, quits her job, goes totally insane. Uh, and then like the ending of it could be totally disappointing because you don't, yeah, of course you don't end up with that person. Yeah. Like, or if you do your Katie Holmes and then Tom Cruise turns out to be Tom Cruise. Like, (laughs) so it, it's not realistic in the slightest. It's very surreal. It's very much written by a German woman for starters. (laughs) Like, so it's very experimental. Um, European weirdo fiction. It's great. I can't like, I think that and the, then the fashion book glitterati are both like, as much as it's changed in my generation, in our generation too, to be like enthusiastic about the things you love, like nerding, ner- being a nerd is great. Like yeah. just love the things you love. Like this is about all those fringe things that are still like uncomfortable or complicit in other aspects of yeah. like capitalism. Stan culture has its fan culture own can be toxic. Like problems. Celebrity culture can be toxic. Um, but this is about how you grind and squeeze and chase and fucking love something until it gives you art and like how art saves you even though it probably shouldn't because like this is such a weird crazy stupid world and but then also it's like yeah if you could find art and joy in that art somewhere like who are we to judge Right. It takes you it takes you all the way from like your total innocence of like I just love this boy band so much and like that is a fine place to stop and live your life and you just love them and that's it. And then you go weird into like obsession and then sometimes you come out the other side into something else. And like, what does that even look like? I I, I think it just, I like the books that take that kind of love seriously instead of making fun of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that is kind of cool. Um, as, Josh pointed out with the last book, I did not make this sound appealing. 
don't know. I don't think this book. I like. I think that if I so like I got Murderbot for two people this Christmas. It's like a totally giftable, super relatable book. I would not give Y slash N to anybody unless I like even reader friends. Like Steph, I might give it to you because you understand K-pop. But I actually wouldn't give it to a lot of my actually Korean Korean friends. Yeah. Like, it's a weird book. Um, but it it's one of those books that like it deserves to win a prize. It's not gonna it's not gonna be a bestseller, but it like it should be a winner. Yeah. If it's, that makes it's sense. An art, it's it's an art. It's an art. It's an art it's, book. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not like I don't know. The classic example of like, okay, if you're into art history, you get why a urinal on a wall is art. But if you don't, it's a urinal on a fucking wall. Like, shut yeah. up. Yeah. This is a little bit like that. This is like, okay. you kind of have to like go with it. But it, like, like, you have to understand like what's being commented on. A little bit, yeah. But it's not like it's beautifully written. Like, it's not, I mean, it's like, not like, ugly and stupid. Could it like could the if you were selling this to someone, could you appeal to it to like? Have you ever been so like fandomly obsessed with something that is like you realize you're being unhealthy about it and wanted to see that perspective <laughs> from someone else? I've read those books this year too, actually. I should uh it's not even it's it is a book about transcendence, if that makes sense. It is a book that is so obsessive like it's not it's not normal it's not like i went to every i like i watched every taylor swift concert no this is like i wrote myself into the life of this person it gets very surreal it yeah it's about transcendence in a in a in a religious mm. sense it's like what if you made the k-pop star god like not not your boyfriend not your imaginary like, boyfriend you know, uh, and then like is the book like celebrating that or is yeah, it like kind of okay. it's just kind of like if you are willing to give your life to something even if that something might ultimately be unworthy your act of sacrifice is sufficient okay which is a weird thing to say about a book about k-pop <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think it is no, Maybe not. <laughs> there are weirder things i guess but yeah. I saw the, i'm not sure if that's the kind of message i want to be spreading to people <laughs> it's not yeah, I think I would actually I would assign this book in a in a graduate level theology class. It's like uh, it's just that my experience with fandom is like people it's super toxic, people right? are obsessed to the point of delusion. Yeah. yeah. This is about when those delusions maybe unrealistically don't hurt others. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. No one, no one gets hurt in the making of this except the author who like transcends it. Like it's so painful that it becomes beautiful. That type of thing. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Once again, not doing a great job of selling this. I would <laughs> recommend right. this for but graduate think, theology. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the right person Paul. is going to hear that and yeah. be like, "Yeah, like I am also kind of tired of the standard fantasy I and mean, sci-fi books. I would like something weird." This podcast yeah. is all about variety. Yeah, if we all like recommended all the same stuff, what's the point? Right. It. Yeah. Are I. There... I'm the... not for everyone, I guess. Right. <laughs> Are there any Are there... books from this year that you didn't get to read? That. Ooh, that's a great question. So I, I, I just want to shout out to this book real quick. It's a book 
that I feel like if I had made time to read it, I would have been talking about it on this episode. The sequel to 2021's uh, She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan came out this year called He Who Drowned the World. And uh, the first book um, I didn't read until 2022, came out in 2021. And if I had read it in 2021, and it would have been the number one book uh, on my list, like no, my number one book of the year, even though like there was Course of Dragons book that year. Um, and like, it's just so funny. Like I, I had He Who Drowned the World ahead of time and I, I just didn't, I want like, you ever like have a book where like you just want like the perfect sit down yes. moment to read 100%. and then yes. you just don't get that moment. Yeah. And so you mm-hmm. have to put off reading it. That's how I feel totally. about he who drowned the world. I never found the right time to just like, I didn't want to read it on Kindle either. I have the hardcover book. I wanted to sit down on a couch, mm. no, nothing else on, no distractions and just sit down and read it. And I just never found the time. And based on everything I've heard from everyone else, it's just as good and great as the first book, maybe even better. And uh, I just wanted to shout it out because it probably would have been on this list for me if I had uh, read it. Nice. Yeah, I've only heard good things about that, but I, I, this year in particular has been like, man, I just never found that, that moment. Yeah. A lot of books. So. And And also, um, in our like midway through the year books, I, I shouted out, uh, um, I want to get the author's name right. Uh, Combat Codes by Alexander Darwin. Yeah. And then literally at the end of November, the second book came out. I think because I'm pretty sure like the first three books of this series he self published before getting picked up by Orbit. And so uh um I didn't I I that's what I'm reading now. I'm reading I don't not to transition into the end yet, but I am reading <laughs> I am reading no, the second book. No, that was a perfect segue. I'm reading the second book. Uh Grivar's Blood uh, uh the second book of this series and that probably would have been on this list also if i had finished it and there's other books like oh, there's a lot of books <laughs> my, and next yeah. year might even be like, too many books i don't know yeah are there besides what what was the is the tainted cup is that yeah. The, yeah steph do you have any books next year that you're looking forward to uh Ones that oh, ones that like, uh, what's coming out? Well, uh, Stormlight Five is coming out next year. Yeah, yeah, but that's so not so. I'm looking December. forward to that. Um, none <laughs> that I can think of at the moment. I'm sure Kingfisher will probably put out a book that I will want to read at some point. Um, what? Else? Oh, um, the New Gen Lions book is also next year too, I believe. Yeah, Sky yes, on Fire. Sky on Fire. Yeah. Yeah, so looking forward to that, especially because we were beta readers for like the first draft of that. Well, you yeah. were nothing. Nothing else. Yeah, I, yeah, I was. Yeah, <laughs> I I got through a significant <laughs> chunk of it before life got in the way. Um, but uh, yeah, no, nothing else that I can think of at this moment. What about you, Christina? Besides the tainted cup, or two. Um. 
Yeah, probably another another Tea Kingfisher, Sky and Fire for sure. Hopefully, last minute, Martha Wells is like, here's Murderbot 8! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope she doesn't run into that sweet executive producer or producer money and mm, just be like, like later bitches, this is my own. Like, Murderbot discovers professional wrestling. I'm like, yes, finally. <laughs> oh my god, truly your world's colliding. <laughs> no, but uh, a book I'm looking forward to uh, next year um, is the sequel to my favorite book of um, 2022, which was Empire of Exiles oh, by yes. Aaron yes. and Evans. Uh, the sequel comes out next year called Relics of Ruin. And uh, I literally know nothing about it, but uh, I, I'm i looking forward to it, reading that. Yeah, we're going to be covering that at some point. At some point, yeah. Yes, yeah. around the time the second book comes out. That would be good timing. Definitely one of us is paying attention to the fact <laughs> that he has a podcast. <laughs> What's that, that like? Yeah. <laughs> Josh, we know what you're reading. Steph, what are you reading? Or unless, Josh, you have more. No, that's it. <laughs> okay. I'm reading Ghost Station by S.A. Barnes, which is a spooky space horror, which I'm very into. Um, what else? I actually think that... Is that it right now? I just finished another book a couple days ago, um, which was the, the new Malka Oder book, which is coming out in February, I think, um, which is the, the sequel to... Um, oh, such long names. This one's called the Imposition of Unnecessary Obstacles, and it's it's another good like sequel level up book. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I'm probably gonna go read some Murderbot now. Murderbot, 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 Murderbot. But no, that's all I got going on right now. What about you, Christina? Uh, in keeping with my uh being a rock that skims the surface of this year, uh, just tossed across the bay. This metaphor got away from me. Um, I am just finishing up. Wait, let me get the, let me, let me get the title right. James A. Caster's guide to quitting social media, becoming the best you can, you can be and saving yourself from loneliness. Volume one. (laughs) Um, yeah, James A. Caster is a British comedian. Um, and, kind of like a surreal absurd kind of person yeah, so yeah, yeah very wacky. familiar yeah he was uh i well he's been on a bunch of things i yeah. particularly loved him on taskmaster uh, it's a very good season of taskmaster and he's oh, yeah, very, yeah, oh, i know this comedian i love them yeah 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 <laughs> he was special. on bake off and did terribly yeah. <laughs> i just remember he talks about that is like completely shut down of comedians like Mm-hmm. being like too challenging for you is like <laughs> a complete breakdown of comedians like oh, I, I, I've, I speak from like I, I don't care if you're offended he's great yeah, yeah, he is. yeah, yeah he's, he's really good and his story of uh, passing out in a bush yes <laughs> or spending the night in a bush yeah spending the and night in a bush out, yeah. he was on a talk I don't think show I saw a special. he's on a talk yeah. show where you have to guess if the story they're telling is a lie or not. Oh, and, I love that show. Yeah. And he tells a story about spending the night in a bush. <laughs> and it's like, great. I gotta find that one. the train stop running. Yeah. Yeah. Would I Lie to You? Is that the one? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, and there's another story, not to get off topic, but there's another story where <laughs> his, like, nemesis is, oh, like, a yeah. small child. Yes. I, I remember that. Yeah, that was yes. the, that's, So this book is 260 pages of exactly that. Nice. Okay. Like, I, it I, starts out in a place where he wants to quit social media, which is a normal thing that people yep. say, and then quickly he has a cult of lavender, the color, mm. and um, <laughs> castle with a moat with electric eels in it, and he's lost all of his clothing, and he's pen pals <laughs> with his with a teacher from a different school that he never went to, and I can't explain how all of this makes sense, and it doesn't, but it does. I want to check so, this out. I recommend it. Um, I think I think you can get it in the U.S. because my library had it, but if anybody's looking for U.K. books, Blackwell's uh, ships for free in the U.S. So. And I think worldwide, Canada. Hopefully, Is there an audio stuff read by him? Because I would love to hear this. Ooh. It's honestly probably better as an audiobook. So yeah, uh, I don't know the answer to that, but probably. Nice. Yes, I'm gonna buy it right now. Hell yeah, recommend. James S. Cru- a-, a Cashier's Guide to Quitting Social Media: Being the Best You Can Be and Saving Yourself from Loneliness, Volume One. <laughs> narrated by james a Caster. okay yes all right yeah i should download that too i think volume two is going to be him uh fuck he's actually going to do a book. volume two i was like fully expecting it to just be volume one and then for there to never be a follow-up yeah i think i think he had a plan to do one i can't remember what the subject it was something equally wacky okay. but like anyway. theoretically relevant yeah anyway all right on that note this year is over as was foretold. <laughs> Books. 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 Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. You can now find us on Blue Sky at No Page Unturned. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and our cover art is by Mango You Art. 